Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to Dojo Talks. Uh, today we're doing Dojo Talks should FIDE sanction Russia. I think you guys have all been hearing about what's been uh, going on. Today we're mainly going to be discussing the, the chess world and how FIDE exactly we think should be reacting to all this. Um, I mean, typical disclaimer, it's like an incredibly crazy situation and there's like lots and lots of conflicting uh, sides uh, to some of these things. So we're just going to try to hash it out, see where, where we all stand. Um, before the show, Jesse was asking me just uh, to kind of give a brief, uh, I guess, summary of my connection with Ukraine. And I, I figure f folks are interested. Um, so I was born in Kiev and, and my family uh, is uh, from there. Both my folks' uh, parents are from there. Uh, fortunately, most of my family is uh, in the United States. I do have an uncle and his family that are in uh, Lvov, and uh, that's obviously, you know, incredible bummer, because um, I he, he actually used to live here, then they immigrated uh, back to Ukraine. So I, I did definitely, yeah, know him growing up. Um, but of course, just the whole situation, even without that, just the whole situation is like, incredibly depressing. I've just been like nonstop looking at news, doom scrolling, uh, yeah, feeling very bummed out, like <laughs> what am I doing here? You know, like like trying to help. Um, it was really cool that we, we raised a ton of money uh, yesterday uh, with, the, with the charity stream. I think the, the dojo community really came through. Uh, so I'll just say that like, yeah, people really, really, uh, put in some amazing support and we got donations from like Ben Feingold and Jakob Agard and um, yeah, people were fantastic and uh, we raised over 11,000, which at least, you know, it's not nothing. So <laughs> I think it was uh, at least, yeah, something we can do. So I feel better about that now. But um, yeah, situation has been uh, incredibly messed up, obviously. Um, but uh, well, see, okay, how, how we're here to- are you? Oh, when I immigrated, I was uh, 10 months old, super young. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't feel like a strong national identity with Ukraine or anything like that. It's just just a very sad situation, that's all. Right, right. I want to add my own really tiny forward to this episode as well, which is normally we don't talk about things that are that have the potential to get people as upset as what we're talking about today. So, I mean, I think the most upset people have gotten was when we said that maybe some people had talent for chess. <laughs> um, no, they were pissed. Yeah, that really got some yeah. people going. Yeah, Jesse knows that that really pissed some people off. But like on a week by week basis, you know, when we say here's how to use your time management or here's what you should do with short draws, it doesn't normally touch the coconuts of our listeners. There's some danger today that you know, we may some we may say some things that are upsetting to people, and uh, I just want to say that's that's possible. You know, because we are going to sort of be talking about political issues that go beyond the chessboard as well, necessarily, and uh, that's often very very sensitive. So we don't mean any harm by any of this. You know, we don't want to upset or hurt anybody, but I think all three of us think it's better to uh, to talk about stuff than to avoid stuff. Um, so, and I, I don't know, I shouldn't talk for you guys, but that's my take. I think it's worth talking about these things and it's more useful to be open to other people's 
opinions than to be upset about other people's opinions. Well, I'm not planning on upsetting anyone today. I'm just going to give my viewpoint and I'm just going to make it uh, rational and I'm going to try to be as understanding as I can to people that might not agree with me. Well, Kosi, give us your, your spiel here. Give us your two cents on the issue. Well, um, yeah, let's let's break it down, and then maybe we'll we'll start with the first point. So the timeline of this has been really uh, dramatic if you're on Chess Twitter. Um, basically, of course, you know, the invasion started like several days ago, and then there was like one or two days where FIDE basically didn't really say anything about it, and they were getting uh, called out a lot uh, for not really condemning it. And they had this like emergency uh, conference or whatever, and they started releasing some sanctions. So the first thing they did was they uh, they just canceled the upcoming Olympiad that was going to take place in, in Russia, which that was like one of the first things people were calling for. I believe Nigel Short even said like he suggested it on day one and then was kind of shot down. Then two days later, they ended up doing it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that seemed like a very logical step and now they're they're trying to figure out where to hold the olympiad um but then i mean i don't know maybe the situation uh was you know greatly escalated by by karyakin himself but even without him i mean there was lots of people calling for fide to uh start uh banning russia just from all international tournaments banning russian players um, of course, disconnecting from Russian sponsors. People are calling for the resignation of Dvorkovich because he is, of course, uh, close to Putin. How close exactly? Like, I have no idea, but clearly, you know, they have a relationship. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess so we kind of wanted to go step by step, right, and figure out what exactly should FIDE do on, on all these points. I mean, I, I assume the Olympiad, what do you guys think? Good or <laughs> stayed in Russia? <laughs> I mean, kind of no option. <laughs> no option, right? right? Right. So the Olympiad is a little bit different because um, there we're talking about not just um, uh, sanctioning Russia, but the safety then of the players, right? Yeah. So that's already like there's reasons to just simply logistic reasons not to do it. I think for me, I, it's it's kind of a bigger issue question of all these things of like, <clears throat> to what extent should FIDE be able, willing to sanction states and or individuals for their actions regarding a geopolitical conflict, right? And let's just say, as you guys, we said it before the show started, it's the first time. There's definitely been other very hairy situations. Most recently, uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia. You could have, they could have done something about that. They did not, right? And those guys have been forced to play against one another to their incredible mutual hatred. Um, we've had um, a bunch of Islamic countries being forced to play with uh, Israeli players. Right. Also very difficult, you know, and so there's been all kinds of other previous situations in which uh, no sanctions have even, wasn't even a, wasn't even a thought on somebody's mind. Yeah, right? I mean, the U.S. just left left Afghanistan. If you want to talk, also things that are in yeah, yeah, fairly recent memory. I mean, the U.S. was occupying, yeah, Afghanistan until very recently with you know active military actions. 
but yeah, I can't think of any time that FIDE has done any sanctions. So this is uh, a whole new world. Right. Yeah, and it's particularly new to sanction um, a player uh, directly. Yeah, the other big thing that they announced was that they're going to have Karyakin and uh, Grandmaster Sergei Shipov, who is a very um, popular commentator, uh, for I guess their their comments on on social media supporting supporting Putin and, and supporting the war, um, and yeah, and now people are also calling for uh, Karyakin to be like removed from the candidates, uh, stripped of his GM title, just like uh, all kinds of stuff, and. Uh, and He's that's got a, other reasons to be stripped of his GM title. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's like it, it feels like it's it's all part of it, right? Um, uh, so yeah, the other and question should, is like, does okay. FIDE really have the right to uh, to kind of do something to a player based on? Because okay, I mean, it to me, some people are saying like, oh, he shouldn't be punished for his views. I don't think that's what's happening, and and it's not. I don't think he's, it's like a view, right? It's like he's just supporting war, he's support, supporting murder. It's like he's just very, very wrong about the facts of the situation. And so he's supporting some really uh, indefensible acts. So there's, it's not like a matter of opinion. And uh, as we were talking, I think right before the show, there have been lots of players who have said some very like, you know, racist stuff, sexist stuff. But yeah, there, there have never been a sanction against a specific player like there possibly could be here. Uh, the right. big question though, I think, because I don't really feel like we have to talk about Kriakin that much, is what should happen to the Russian players? Because people are saying like all Russian athletes should be banned, which for me, I don't know, that seems like that's still very much up in the air and hasn't been decided yet. For the moment, it's just the Russian flag that's been banned, to be clear. You're just I'm, not allowed to play with the flag. I, I'm shocked to even hear that suggested as like an idea, you know, as, mm. as people are, I think, pretty much all our viewers are aware and as some people are pointing out in chat i mean you've got players like nepom niachi or peter svidler you know who've spoken out very clearly against the war and i think the majority of russian chess players who've said anything have spoken out against the war right so they're they're just as much against the war as you know a ukrainian or or Nigel Short <laughs> you know yeah so, they're suffering more than than we are in the united states well, yeah, I mean they're already. I mean they're 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 opposing it themselves already, and in a sense, their opposition is stronger than ours. Like if I go out into the streets here in Berkeley and say I'm against this war, and and they say the same thing in Russia, they're taking on a much greater risk by doing the same thing. Um, so I just don't see. I don't even see the argument for for banning them. Do either of you even? I don't know how to argue against it without even understanding it. Do either of you understand why the Russian players who are against the war should have any kind of sanction fall on them? Um, well, I I feel I feel some conflict on the issue. Um, so let me just say the the one time I got so angry politically in my life, and I to the point of really going on tilt was when we invaded Iraq in 2003. I was so angry. And yeah. I think even then we got to say the, the worldwide protests were even bigger then. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> in terms of like numbers, it was, it was a little bit warmer at that time. But in any case, the numbers were extraordinary in 2003. 
and I was so angry. Um, but then 2003, I went to uh, Hungary to play in a bunch of chess tournaments. And, you know, on the way there, I remember on the train, the passport control guy was like, where are you going? Baghdad? <laughs> he thought it was funny. I thought it was kind of funny, but it also had an edge to it. You know, in any case, you know, as but then as all these tournaments I went to, it was simply always the case that I was seen not as an American, but just like as a chess player and that the, the stuff that my the country I belonged to was doing that I wasn't in any way really responsible for it. So I have that memory of not being persecuted for basically uh, a very similar crime that Russia is now doing right now. Um, and I have a lot of sentiments for the idea that chess players have a kind of a, a, a brotherhood. Obviously, there's women out there, too, but you know what I mean? There's a, a camaraderie of a sense of like, oh, if I show up in some city and I don't know anybody and I knock on some chess player's door, it's not like they're obliged to help me or whatever, but there will be some kind of sense of commonality. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing throughout the world. It's, it's really incredible. Sometimes I take it for granted because I, it's been part of my life for so long. But I mean, I'm sorry, Jesse, to interject, but yeah. it's happening now. There are lots of chess players that are living like Poland or Europe and are like, yeah, any chess players are welcome to, to stay with them. That's like all. Yeah, I can no, say. it's it's very beautiful. Um, so I have so so that's the side of the argument, which says to me, like, no way can you do it. On the other hand, what's going on now? in terms of the world's response to Russia is that uh, everybody in Russia is getting the squeeze. So for example, uh, we talk, when we talk about FIDE, almost every time uh, FIFA comes up, the World uh, Soccer Organization, because it has a very similar organizational structure, very similar level of corruption, um, but they have taken away uh, the Champions League from St. Petersburg and then now say for example poland began by saying i'm not they're not going to play the world cup qualification against russia and now fifa said no you can't even play the world cup this summer that's a huge oh my gosh <laughs> massive massive similar uh thing that i think is going to start happening in fide it's already starting to happen happening in fide with um the russian players now we're talking about the timeline we're talking about like Fide has already condemned Karyakin, and now he could, if you imagine a similar move to the World Cup being taken uh, away from Russia, it would be this very similar thing with Karyakin not being to play the candidates. Very mm. similar thing. So, well, um, well, what's the argument for it? Why, why would that make sense to do it? So I'm not, where I feel conflict is, what's happened is in the last four or five days, the amount of pressure of economic sport and sport is just one small piece of it but it's a thing that's been put on russians and russia is so extreme it's so extreme that if we imagine back in 2003 if the screws had been placed obviously i wouldn't have liked it and i would have felt it would have been unfair and untrue for me to be persecuted for the war in iraq but if it had been and everyone began to feel the screws in the same way the Russians are feeling the screws now, mm -hmm. then maybe 
something would have changed. And honestly, right. it would have been to our advantage if we could have admitted our mistake earlier rather than later. Uh -huh. um, and so, so you're saying like, so you're saying like, if we just look at the chess world, it's like, yeah. oh, three Americans don't get to go play in a chess tournament, big deal. But if it's part of a widespread kind of thing where some other dude can't do his business trip and some other woman can't like meet with, you know, is told like, oh no, you can't work in the, in the London office as like, you know, right. you can't, you can't do like a semester here. You can't do, you know, professors aren't allowed to do their sabbaticals or whatever. Like suddenly you've got a lot of people in the U S mm -hmm. who have the heat turned up on them to actually do something about what's going on right. in the U S. So like maybe you walked in one protest or something like that, but now it's like your livelihoods at stake. You feel it more. Maybe you do more than that. Right. Mm. Actually interesting example in recent days, uh, I follow Chelsea because we have an American player playing on the Chelsea team and Roman Abramovich, who is one of the oligarchs owns that team. And because of the pressure, he's had to step down as the head of the club. And then his daughter said some stuff. And then all of a sudden, he's flying out to the talks right now to be part of the talks. Now, would he have been part of those talks if he hadn't had the kind of pressure which touched his coconuts enough to have to at least abandon not only the club, but maybe the uh, situation he has in London, which is where the oligarchs are keeping their money, which is not in Russia. They're not keeping their money in rubles, I'll tell you that, right? So that kind of pressure is the kind of example, I mean, of like a universal pressure that suddenly gets pushed on a whole country, which you could call it unfair, but it might be the kind of thing which really puts the screws and actually ends the matter. So person by person, it's not necessarily fair or commensurate with anyone's responsibility for what their country is doing, but it could be tactically effective or strategically right so i want to just say those are my two sides of the issue i feel conflicted about it you know yeah. um but I, I i get both sides and i have so much sentiment for the brotherhood of chess players i can't tell you like especially when i was young and poor how many times you know, even if a guy just at some random tournament bought me a sandwich, you know, I mean, like when I was brought young and poor traveling through Europe and it was, there was, there was just camaraderie and, you know, it's not always just material help. It's just like, oh, you're, you're new in the city. Let me show you what you need to do here. Let me show you how to find a place to stay. You know, little small things that are so important to creating a sense of like, we're all kind of in this together. And, and that rather, what's really interesting in the chess world is that the identity as a chess player takes precedent over your identity as whatever country you're from, you know, which to me is fascinating. This is a fascinating thing. Yeah, so um, I feel like you guys kind of nailed the kind of both sides of the thing. It's because it, again, I, I'm definitely leaning like anti-ban, but um, if it's, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like a matter of, well, you understand that it sucks for everybody, but that's that's kind of the the situation that Putin has kind of put us all in. So, um, it's it's very like unfortunate for everyone being affected by it in Russia, but that's just kind of the the, the situation. Um, I feel like you know it's 
as a chess player, it just feels painful to punish other chess players that have nothing to do with the situation, you know, and to punish them in the worst possible way, like they can't play chess. <laughs> it's like such a bummer. And also, I got to say, like, there's lots of Russians who don't live in Russia and just don't even have a way to like they can't even go protest if they wanted to or whatever. They don't have a way to do anything that would mm-hmm. then just kind of lose their right to play. Lots of Russian players in the U.S., you know, that wouldn't be able to play. And I think that would be just a huge bummer. And I guess the question is, like, how much would it actually affect the the real life situation and like decision making of of putin and i don't know to me it feels like a a real shame to do it without some kind of like you know guarantee uh that it's actually going to make things for the better yeah okay here's the thing if we were analyzing a chess game and we were saying is this move like a good move or a bad move right the only way we would know if a move is a good or bad move would be by comparison to the other moves you have available, right? So you wouldn't just be saying, is it is it fair or not to sanction the knight on h5, right? Or is it is it is it is it is this a good move, right? To put our bishop on, on h2 and take away a couple squares from the knight on h5. You'd be saying, is this the best? You know, if you compare this to other options, is it better or worse? Right? One of your options is to do nothing and just, you know, let the Russian military do whatever Putin orders them to do, right? And then I guess if you want to say that sanctioning Russian players is wrong, you you have to like reach a point where you've got some other suggestion of what should be done maybe. And also the why of the sanctions. So for example, uh, I think it's wrong to sanction somebody for saying something dumb. (laughs) <laughs> like Koryakin's basically really gone for it. It said some ridiculous things, and people uh, in this social media world have really put the screws on him. They've essentially canceled. <laughs> and for to, you know, if we started sanctioning people for saying chess players for saying dumb things, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing because it would never end the amount of dumb things that chess players have sometimes said. So that part of it, I'm not into. I'm not into that at all, even though, you know, he has said some incredibly dumb things. But for example, like if he lost his candidate spot because he was Russian, that would be, you know, just the exact mirror image of now Russia not being able to play the World Cup, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just a brutal. I mean. Karyakin has been like mega canceled. People are threatening to cancel anyone that even works with Karyakin, right? They're like, if any site signs you or like, I'm just going to cancel my membership, like people are done. So if he, it's almost like a logistics issue, like with the Olympia, like how would you even hold it? Like at this point, Mm. people are so angry. And I don't know if the, I mean, I don't know if if it's justified or not, but people are so angry at him that they uh, like, Right, if he plays the candidates, I feel like people are just going to boycott the candidates, boycott FIDE, like... I boycotted the last candidates, so it'll be nothing new for me. <laughs> easy, easy, no sweat off my back. Um, I think one thing, too, that was just kind of an obvious thing that has to be said is one of the differences between now and 2003, I think comes clear in this little anecdote, is so when I was in Hungary, there was a, a British GM there and he was like pro-Iraq war. It was kind of surprising. And he wasn't ashamed to talk about it either. But 
there was no Twitter then. And so what is he going to do? He's going to talk to like five to 10 people. Well, Karyakin really broadcast it, man, to gazillion people. And then all of a sudden it's like a fire, you know? So it's like, that's when this thing of uh, opinions being controversial becomes like people feel like they have to be punished then for the opinions. Whereas previously, you know, if you had a dumb opinion, no one, not that many people would know, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you wouldn't sanction world. you based on hearsay because somebody at, at a tournament is like, I overheard him saying this, you know, pro-American imperialist stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I want him sanctioned by FIDE. Yeah, and there just wouldn't be enough people to be mad at him to get the, 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 the motion started. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, another thing to ask about this, like sanctions is where would it go? Like, where would, what would be the logical conclusion of it if you extended such a policy to other situations? Because there have been other situations um, where it hasn't been applied as far as we know, any kind of FIDE sanctions, right? So if you said, as long as the U S is occupying Afghanistan, Americans, can't play in any FIDE tournaments, right? And and do that to every every military conflict in the world. It's interesting because you kind of, and you do this to stuff other than chess, right? Because I mean, Jesse's yeah. idea isn't just like, oh, let's get three chess players, right? He's saying like, if <laughs> right. this were the tool, it would mean that the whole international community would be just slamming just across the board sanctions against any country involved in military conflicts. I mean, it would basically be, a way of telling the world like we can't do any economics or any trades or any sports or entertainment or anything until we've stopped war right it's kind of that that would yeah. ultimately be where it would lead to it'd be like you can't do any of your stuff until you've taken care of the real stuff right i mean Which, that that seems like i mean honestly it sounds like a great system of course it would involve things that are much bigger than than chess like finances traveling all this stuff so yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, at that point i would think like number one that yeah people might not care about chess as much anyway since their whole country is being shut down yeah um, we'd be a tiny footnote <laughs> right <laughs> and uh yeah so and and number two would be probably impossible like if if we didn't shut down it would probably be illegal to do any business with any of any kind or to something to that effect so um, we're definitely not there yet. I mean, they're like, you know, they, I think they started, uh, like banning bank accounts and stuff. They're starting to restrict travel, but it's not like a complete, you know, isolation of, of Russia, certainly heading that, that way. Um, oh, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty real. <laughs> it's pretty real. Oh, it's definitely started. Yeah. I mean, things are yeah. terrible over there, but, um, so so yeah the questions like how much does like fide have to do it's very weird i mean i'm sure it's really tough for them right they didn't they just wanted to like run some candidates tournaments they didn't want to have to deal with like this whole thing you know i mean it's uh it's insane um what about dorkovich guys i mean i feel like that's the other part of this <laughs> yeah look what are we what are we supposed to do with this guy so let's just say uh for those who don't know Arkady Dorkovich, we don't know exactly his relationship to Putin, but we know it's close. He's the head of FIDE. He's also a chess player. So that's where I think he had 
sympathy with a lot of the other top chess players. And we got to say, this is the first FIDE organization where we've had, I don't know the first, but we have some several top, former top GMs like uh, Sutovsky and Short kind of in the, in the control, some of the controlling positions, not number one, but being in some powerful positions. So this guy is a chess player and a friend of Putin. I don't think he qualifies as an oligarch, but he's he's got like, you know, he's got some real ins there. And it's been controversial from the start that this guy has had his in. Right. And the whole thing is we got to go back and say that Russian meddling in FIDE has been going on for like since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time, it, at least, I, I mean, you got to take it back all the way to the botvinnik uh, Bronstein match, I think, to start talking about. I mean, such a long history of them messing with various things uh, within the FIDE organization. Yeah, even the, the last election, there was a chess base article just a couple of years ago about how uh, essentially the story was like that Putin himself called the prime minister of Israel and told him that like Israel has to vote for Dvorkovich or like something to that effect, basically just like yeah, that basically there was like a whole press that went through the Russian embassies through official diplomatic channels to many, many, many countries to their diplomatic liaison saying you need to go to whoever's running the chess federation in your country and pressure them to vote with Dvorkovich. So that article seemed pretty convincing that that Putin's regime had put some effort into trying to have control over the chess federation. That was a, a goal for them that they put an effort into. Out of it, they get Dvorkovich at the helm. But here, I would say FIDE is taking a really hard line against Russia so far. Um, so it's like, you know, Putin didn't get his money's worth out of that appointment somehow. Well, and I think the other thing to say that we got to say that's important about this topic is I think in, in many countries, like let's say we were talking about uh, chess players getting banned in America, would the US government even know about it? No. But if Karyakin gets canceled from this tournament, will Putin feel it? Yes. Will it be decisive for Putin? No, but he will feel it. <laughs> Karyakin has been given like essentially the Medal of Honor, the Russian equivalent of a Medal of Honor or something like Mm -hmm. He's met the dude. There's numerous pictures of him with Putin together. And Putin follows the chess world. So I mean, chess is not, a yeah, serious sport in, in Russia. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's I think it's also serious for Putin. So it's like it, it is actually a, it isn't just a small thing. You know, it isn't just some small little thing in this little geopolitical play that we're involved in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you guys think I mean, should we have a, a re-election like is i mean how can well they did they cut ties with the russian sponsors that that seems like a big deal um because mm -hmm. fide is getting i think it was like one or two million uh from uh from them total every year um possibly more under the table who knows um but uh so that seemed good uh yeah, question is like whether it should be more or not. I mean, right, it's like with with a Putin guy at the, the top, it's never going to be divorced from the situation like fully. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how to how to deal with it. I mean, 
Uh, and, and you know the yeah. other consequence of this that we we're talking David was talking about the moves and their consequences like this incredible pressure uh that goes beyond the chess world that's so now united imagine it's so amazing to me that switzerland switzerland has even started saying some stuff switzerland never says anything <laughs> when switzerland starts talking about you then you know you're in big trouble buddy so mm -hmm. the the pressure is so um broad-based covering so many sections of society that uh, an effect that it could have that we're going to could see happening in the chess world is if putin is not pushed out of power and frankly it's hard to see the guy's consolidated his power grip so tightly that it's hard to see how he's actually going to be removed from power if he stays in power then what will happen in both let's say the financial world and the chess world and probably also things like the the soccer slash football world will be that there will be two different systems right so for example if we take them out of the banking system then they have to create their own banking system and they got to hope that china goes along with it similarly with something like chess right what would they do maybe they would organize a match between karyak and, and ding for the world championship right that's what would end up happening if we actually excluded them. And would, of course, the, the, the point of excluding them would be, oh, maybe this dramatic instant pressure will actually force a resolution to the situation. However, if it does not, then we're in for decades and decades of just the world being bifurcated, right? And it seems when you look at it from the Western point of view, it seems like it's everyone against Russia. But if they hold hands with the Chinese, that's already, you know, a huge part of the world's population right there, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess to some extent, I guess to some extent, I wish, you know, that there were, that there were some serious, you know, action taken against, every war slash warring country you know um when when it only happens here then then it makes you wonder why here and why not elsewhere i mean i guess we sort of know why here and why not elsewhere but but since i'm against since i'm against war i guess you know I guess the lack of action on other on other events doesn't give me a reason not to do it here. It just gives me a reason that like maybe you should have done it on all those other situations too. Um, if I had been excluded from playing chess because I was American, I think I would have accepted that. I, Kosi, I gotta just, we got, we got a breaking news alert. <laughs> we got a breaking news alert, buddy. Oh, no. Karyakin has tweeted at you, buddy. Oh, no. I was hoping he wouldn't. Yeah. He did, buddy. No, this guy, he's on full tilt. Well, you gotta understand that, look, one of the things that I, I just wanna say, I'm gonna read this tweet a little, I haven't even read it yet, but the thing that I wanna say is that something, a political shift in my own, viewpoint of how I see politics has happened in the last couple of years where I really feel like we think that we come to our political 
decisions because of rational thinking or something. We think that we have thought about things and we come to these decisions. More and more, I just come to think it's a tribal thing. You believe the things that your family and your friends around you believe. So for Karyakin, he's got this world that's been created being by close to people around Putin. And so he's got this worldview. And now, because the guy has so many international contacts, he is forced to like either go into a hole or defend himself. And the more he defends himself, honestly, the worse it gets. All right, here it is, buddy. Well, look, it's about just... you, buddy. <laughs> Have you also collected money? By the way, Kostya raised a bunch of money last night uh, along with Agard, the famous trainer. Have you also collected money, Kostya Kost, for the residents of Donbass, who the, whom the Ukrainian army has been bombing for the last eight years? You can come there and go, for example, to the Alley of Angels, which was built in honor of the children of Donbass who died from the shelling of Ukrainian dot, dot, dot. Oh, Ukrainian dot, 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 because he kept going. <laughs> he kept going. <laughs> Ukrainian criminals. Is it still funny, Kostya? And everything is over. After everything is over, I will donate at least the equivalent of $10,000 of my money to the residents of Donbass affected by the war. And the last Telecostia, don't call yourself, oh, a professional chess player. Ooh, and he starts talking garbage about your rating. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oof. Wait, that's great. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> I got him to donate $10,000 to people that are in a war torn country. <laughs> yeah. He said, after everything is over. So I don't know when it's going to be over. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, the timing of this suggests that he's listening to the uh, to our talk so far and doesn't like what we have to say, or at least doesn't like what Kosti has to say so uh, far. Maybe. If anything, well, I'm having. Yeah, he matched the donation. That's awesome. Look, guys, I, I a lot of people have been tweeting at him. I didn't even want to, but I mean, it was for charity. It was for a good cause. Like, I normally actually really don't like dunking on people that are being kind of like uh, you know buried on social media. Um, yeah. So, but but we raised like thousands of dollars, I, I think on the promise of that alone. So, you know, I had to, yeah, had to, I had to do it. And now he's donating. So I think uh, this uh, troll fundraising is a big industry. People <laughs> should look into it. I think there's a lot I mean, of potential the guys, in this. The guy's on tilt, dude. And I think it's, I mean, I think you got to understand like when your worldview gets challenged and you can't rectify your own sense of what's going on and then i mean he saw on so much tilted that he he like went and looked at your fide like card and your age and all yada yada yeah you know that's full tilt dude that's full tilt and then he attacks you personally so it's like yeah. mm, i kind of i have a lit i mean it's, i don't know if it's called sympathy but like it's kind of like this and this is here's a chess metaphor that i think is oftentimes when i'm analyzing my games i realize Often what happens is you think you have, let's say, a clear advantage. You think you really do believe it. And then you're looking at variations, looking, 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 and all of a sudden you realize it's very difficult to find that clear advantage. Maybe you've got nothing. Maybe you have nothing. And then you start spending time on the clock, and then you start looking for the weirdest ideas to try to justify, to try to get what you think the position should hold. And there's a cognitive dissonance there that's going to take time for you to like 
That's why people's tank when, and also when they tank and they, then they make a really bad move. So the cognitive dissonance is so powerful that it takes a lot of struggle for them to then match the reality of the situation with what they think the reality should be. And when I see someone going on tilt like that, that's like, that's what it is. And we've all been there to some extent, whether it's political politics or the chessboard or whatever it is we've all had that cognitive dissonance situation yeah definitely i've said some very stupid things on like facebook and and twitter and then i i look back at it and it's like honestly the social media thing is like uh, an addiction in and of itself it's like right. you say something people say back at you especially when like yeah you're interacting with a lot of people it's uh so easy to get um hyped up in it yeah um, yeah, $10,000 is now a million rubles. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go after the rubles because that, that affects a lot of people, <laughs> not just the cardiac. <laughs> At least he promised it in dollars. Uh, I, feel, uh, I feel like a million rubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I predict Coast is not going to answer. Oh, he will. He will say something. <laughs> Maybe I'll raise more money. <laughs> yeah, if you raise more money, you'll, you'll respond. <laughs> no, so it, I don't. I just want to say I think it's really interesting. I think um, I was very surprised that Fide in particular took such swift action. I mean, we're talking it's a matter of days, and um, I think it goes along, you know, too with the European sentiment that is so outraged. And honestly, I think. I think what is really driven by is time my, to this is my just personal take on it, is the reason it's happening Let's so fast the response to car is the scar of World War II is so deep in Europe that people are losing their minds over this. And also, just in terms of historical memory, it's like people talk about Russian losses in World War II. They were all in Ukraine. Or not all of them, but like the Russian losses in World War II were so extreme. And then so many, much of that was Ukrainian soldiers, then part of the Soviet Union. So it's like that historical memory, I think, is what's making this so quick and urgent that in other cases wasn't, right? It wasn't, the idea didn't even come up to start taking chess players out of, say, the world championship or sanctioning what they're saying. It didn't even arise. Yeah. Yeah, it's very new. Um, yeah, again, I wish I had more to say. I, honestly, I'm just like very conflicted. I don't I don't know what should be done. I heard um, reports that the International Olympic Committee is considering a, a ban, a ban all, all uh, Russian athletes. Um, and I guess well, that's <laughs> one one detail we didn't really mention is that like the Russian flag was already kind of banned because of their previous Olympic yeah. fiasco. Um, we should mention what that was, is that, um, and this is one of the reasons actually it's kind of important uh, to talk about banning chess, is that in the United States, the government does very little to help our athletes. But in Russia, they are engaged in active cheating measures with doping. There's a great documentary called Icarus that talks about the Soviet doping regime. It is intense. That is why they were banned from at least using their flag in the Olympics. And it also shows the 
lengths to which Putin is willing to go in the sporting arena for the Russians to win, which is really an old school Soviet playbook of like, oh, if the Russians win, then it shows something about how our state is great or something like that, right? And so this move against the Russian chess players is a move against Putin himself. You know, we're part of this. All of a sudden, our little chess world is part of this bigger drama. Yeah. I just feel like, I guess here's something that I feel about it. And and it seems like none of us have really fully figured this out. We're all kind of just muddling around in these ideas. But here's one thought is like, if they, if an organization like FIDE is going to do this, it should somehow be based on some kind of large scale international society and not like one alliance maneuvering against another alliance, right? Like what if, you know, what if Vorkovic muscled up the votes to, you know, be like, uh, I don't know, taking sanctions against Ukraine today, right? And then you'd be like, you know, because I think the Russian side of the story is that Ukraine has done something wrong, yeah. right? Or, or I mean, yeah. the the, you know, I don't know it too well, right? But like, I assume like they're not just like, right? So, Putin is saying so that yeah, Ukraine has been committing violence against Russians against Ukraine, Russian and they're trying people to living in Ukraine, them. right? Yeah. So what if Dvorkovic maneuvered Fide and was like, we're you know, we're saying that these kind of crimes have been happening in Ukraine for eight years or whatever that you know Karyak Karyakin like could be his source, <laughs> and then he said you know he maneuvered his votes and you know got Nigel Short kicked out saying, you know, disrepute for like standing up for for the fascists in Ukraine, right? Kick Nigel Short out of the vice presidency and 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 sanction all the Ukrainian chess players and stuff like that, right? Like you don't want all these Olympic committees and and trade organizations, et cetera, to just be places where these kind of proxy voting wars are are played out based on influence. You would want there to be some kind of international consensus that was going to equally go against any aggressor right so um you know when russia is able to like veto something at the un about russia instead of apparently there's no rule at the un that you have to recuse yourself right so if the world tried to repudiate the u.s's actions in iraq the u.s can always veto that (laughs) and russia can always veto anything against them there's no like recuse yourself and let Hmm. the people who aren't murderers do the voting. I think for for this to really be useful and not just sort of a maneuvering kind of move, it would have to have a feeling that it's not just another political process, right? You'd have to feel like the parties involved were taking a back seat and some kind of broader coalition of people were making those decisions, right? Because right now, like if you were in Russia and you didn't know what to believe about what's going on and you see this and then you just think like there's they're sanctioning Russian players you wouldn't think oh my gosh that means our country's done something bad you would think like why didn't they sanction American players during the Iraq war this this organization's just like being used against us it would be a very very easy conclusion to come to right where Jesse says you want to have that cognitive dissonance and 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 feel like stuck and try and figure out what's actually going on you wouldn't get that there the narrative's so so easy for people on the other side of this to just say like oh you know it's like you know the western allies you know who they're willing to bomb other people when it's useful for them and then when other people do it suddenly it's against international law and then they sanction you and blah 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 you know so it feels very 
it can feel like geopolitical power moves rather than an international community saying we don't accept this kind of behavior and we're all you know working to stop it right yeah um it, i mean it makes sense fide is an international organization and it feels like they should kind of and and they really try to kind of stay out of it which i think is the right thing to do they really try to stay like apolitical but yeah mm -hmm. when the whole world is kind of united against russia in this case it's hard for them to stay stay neutral so um yeah uh mm -hmm. again i don't know what <laughs> what should be done uh i'm not even sure what i would uh what i would suggest it does it's a good i it seems like a good thing that dvorkovich isn't able to just completely um you know control everyone around him and yeah i have to say just like from from what i've heard like on a personal level people like dvorkovich like they like working with him they think he's a good guy chess player etc it's just the connection to putin is insane you know it's just very concerning um so yeah i would hope that fide is an organization that has some kind of uh it's not run by a dictator <laughs> a bit that it has some democratic uh values and it seems like they do it definitely doesn't seem like they just do whatever russia wants them to do um but obviously there's there's some influence there okay well we'll keep tabs on the issue maybe we'll talk about it again hopefully it's going to be resolved soon at the moment i think today is the worst worst day so far in terms by the of way as far as singling out players for sanctions apparently mm -hmm. You know, FIDE is like has a clause about by bringing the game into disrepute. That seems so general and Who vague, knows? right? What about sexism? What about racism? What about anything, yeah, right? So, much. I I don't know how I feel about that tool in the shape it's currently in. No, it's it and right and who's to decide? No, it's totally it's really it's a really tough one, man. Yeah. And even if we feel like like it's that if Fide, let's say, let's say Karyakin loses his spot, it would just be such a nuclear option for the chess world if he were to lose his spot in the candidates. It is, let me just say, it is so hard won, these spots in the candidates. It is a huge deal. Um, but if he lost it, I mean, it might feel good because we feel like uh, this war against Ukraine is terrible. But on the other hand, like, who gets to decide i don't trust that i don't like <laughs> like some committee from fide one of the most historically corrupt institutions on earth that they would get to decide when someone says something wrong no no please no but i don't know yeah i don't know yeah so like my my take on those kinds of things and i, I i'm not an expert on on cancel culture but I think it's cool if millions of chess fans don't want to watch Karyakin play. I, I think it's fine to to cancel somebody if you feel like canceling them, right? I can I can choose whether or not to watch a tournament or a player, and and each of you can do the same thing. I don't know that that Fide can be picking people based on who said something too bad or not too bad, and then they're allowed to play chess or not according to Fide. I think it's fine for for the fans to cancel them via the organizers. Yeah, we've never seen that though either. 
there's never any been any precedent of a, a fan yeah. movement. Canceled. I mean, you know, I think that people should get canceled for short draws by fans, via the organizers, right? The fans should stop should stop watching those tournaments and then the organizers won't be able to get sponsors and they'll have to invite someone else. So I, I'm fine with that if that's where where people vote with their eyeballs. Yeah, but that's um, that's separate, of course. That's like private tournaments versus FIDE. FIDE can't, uh, you know, they can make rules against quick draws, but they can't like... Yeah, they can't right. cancel people if they're not <laughs> playing interesting chess. <laughs> right. No, I just I just mean in general, I'm okay with, mm-hmm. you know, people generally making choices. But I think for FIDE to be saying who has or hasn't thrown the game into disrepute is is pretty, tr- I don't know, tricky water. Yeah. There should be some other standard than that. Something more clear than that, I think. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah, weird right. situation. I don't know. We'll keep thinking about it. It's like, yeah. Uh, I didn't really think we would come to any like huge conclusions. <laughs> I was surprised, Kostya. Right. I thought you guys were going to be full into the cancellation. I thought I was. I was like, I was like, I'm going to be the guy who's going to be saying, "Oh, there's two sides <laughs> to this issue." I thought that's the way it was going to be, but no, we're kind of on the same. No, page. it looks like none of us really figured it out, as far as I can tell. I do think that on a whether it's chess world just beyond the chess world that the blanket pressure on Russia is new and it's so powerful and the unification that it's then caused like the help from the outside world has caused unification or has helped unification within the Ukraine and that resistance with the U- in, within the Ukraine now funded from abroad oh buddy it's a real thing. It's a very powerful animal all of a sudden. Um, and the pressure within Russia, economic pressure especially. Oh, man. Like at the moment, imagine you're some kid and you don't have that much money. And now all of a sudden you're not going to be able to buy the new phone. Forget buying a phone, buddy. Forget buying some Internet router. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to afford it. So all this stuff that you take for granted is all of a sudden just going to go away. Well, that's pressure. That's real pressure. Yeah. Um, also, guys, sorry, I just want to bring it up because there have been so many people bringing up this point. Like, well, what about like America? America did this before. Why wasn't America yeah. sanctioned and all this stuff? And I don't know, like a lot of people bring it up. A lot of those people, I think bring it up genuinely a lot of those people if you click on their twitter page you see that they're just pro putin and they're just bringing it up because they're trolls maybe they're just russian bots that have been around mm-hmm. for several years now so but there are i think real people <laughs> making this point as well mm-hmm. so i feel like we should maybe discuss it a bit um mm-hmm. my feeling it's like that's a good point. Maybe that should happen. Like maybe if there's an international consensus and a condemnation on Russia, like there is now, um, I was uh, ten years old in two thousand three. For me, I didn't have the capacity to really think about it seriously. Um, I actually remember seeing like the anti-war protests, and I remember feeling like I don't know. I felt like the media made it seem like a normal thing. Like yeah, every time the U.S. does war, there's always anti-war protests. That's just what it's like. <laughs> That's yeah. what I remember like about that that time. And so I was like, yeah, okay, this is normal, I guess. And then, 
but obviously, I mean, looking back at it now, right, like, it's pretty clear, like, it was a huge mistake. So it was clear at the time, too. I mean, I understand you were 10 years old, you didn't necessarily know, but like, it was really clear at the time. And I guess you probably don't know, don't know this, but like, worldwide, everyone was against it. In the U.S., opinions were split because there was a very strong propaganda machine here, right? Just like right now, opinions are probably split in Russia about about their current war. And then everywhere else, opinions are not split, right? And uh, it was similar with the Iraq war. And I realized that when I traveled abroad and found out that in other countries, it was like 99% of people were like, yeah. were against what the U.S. was doing. You know, and only here where our own propaganda was brought to bear on it was their mixed opinion. And that's why if you want to know something about Russia, you shouldn't read American news or Russian news. Right. You should read like Botswana news. Right. And if you want to know something about Botswana, you should read Brazilian news and see how they treat it. You know, like you have to sort of step outside of the, the focal point where people are going to be making an effort to control opinion. I guess one of the things I would want to stress is that I think that if there's a difference, it's not like saying that like the American uh, invasion was from a moral moral point of view any different. I think that simply the times have changed. And now this incredible condemnation that's coming from all corners against Russia will then, if it works especially, will set a precedent for really stopping wars in the future, for example. For the last, oh, I don't know, last 20 years, I've been nervous about China taking, trying to take back Taiwan, a very similar situation where they feel a grievance about it and they feel like it belongs to them and they feel like it's part of their national pride to get it back, just like the, I was about to say the Soviet Union, uh, just like Russia. And for the last 20 years, it's been like, oh, maybe there's some American warship out there that might kind of slow them down or something. And that would have been the defense until five days ago. And now all of a sudden, well, no, China, it's gonna be a different ball game for you, buddy. If you try to go for it, you can see now what will happen if you do it. Uh, it's not just gonna be some government actor that you're up against. It's a much bigger force, which is, I guess, a really cool thing. And when it comes down to then this question of what we do in the chess world, it's like, right, well, the chess world, then I guess, arguably needs to follow suit and do this incredibly punitive action in our own little corner of the world so that wars then basically become so extraordinarily costly for everybody touching that war in even a tangential way that they are prohibitively expensive right in every possible way yeah um so yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And I feel like, um, well, you know, we had social media just a little while ago when the Armenia-Azerbaijan conflict was happening. Right. It's not like that, that didn't go, you know, very viral in the chess world. But somehow there wasn't this pressure on FIDE, I think, to do something about it in particular. Right. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why that is um but yeah it's it's a weird thing i mean, I mean it, yeah it seems like this this thing is like setting all kinds of new precedents which maybe isn't a bad thing it sounds like people are upset about a lot of stuff that's happened in the past and it's like yeah maybe maybe things should be different like <laughs> 
The other obvious thing in the chess world I think needs to be mentioned is in contrast to say the Iraq war, here within the chess world, everybody knows people who are directly affected, whether they're Ukrainians or Russians or maybe even Poland. You know, So it's like we know people at least tangentially that are now uh, carrying an AK-47 in the streets of Kiev trying to defend their country. Oh, and we know that these people are not soldiers by nature. No, <laughs> these are just regular schmo dudes like me and you who are carrying an AK-47 trying to defend against some hairball like missile systems that are coming raining down on them. You know, so it's like it's a very small world that we have and we know these people to some extent. Yeah, so that's the other thing that's just like so different about all. And what's cool, honestly, about the chess world is that it is so worldwide and the connections are so deep going between different countries. Even if it is just some time you played a guy and you analyze the game with it after, or maybe you went out to dinner after with a bunch of friends, you know these people, right? It's a small world. Yeah. Okay, guys, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And I guess we will cut it there. See you next time.